0: I'm Fam, and welcome to Talk Your Polly Off, presented by ilovepoly.org.
1: This is your podcast for ethically navigating your relationships,
0: your community, and yourself for a healthier and happier
1: lifestyle. This is Bella Doll. She's my sunshine full of giggles.
0: And this is Joshua Monsuda, the logic to my emotion and the chaos to my order. So now
1: you know us. Pull up a seat and let's talk our poly Off. Hello, Bella.
0: Hello, monster.
1: And hello, everybody. Welcome to Talk Your Poly Off. Eh?
0: Typo for the win. <laughs> Typo. Talk your poly off. That's good. Ta-da!
1: Oh, man. I wonder <laughs> why we didn't see that sooner. ha uh, uh, ha bum Okay. So, two episodes ago, we each gave kind of lists of skills that we feel like we're improving or pretty good at as far as emotions relationships and polyamory in general kind of
0: some personal development type skills things that we not only use in our relationships but just in our day-to-day life as being better
1: humans a better human skill set list and it got so involved for us in our conversation that we felt like maybe we should probably talk about some of these things individually.
0: Deep dive.
1: Yeah. Going in deep. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Are you just (laughs) running and stimping right now?
1: No, that was Beavis and Butthead. Beavis
0: and Butthead. Uh, I wasn't. Ren and
1: Stimpy like, Stevie, you idiot, <laughs> get over here. <laughs> oh, okay, Ren.
0: I wasn't allowed to watch them.
1: Ren and Stimpy season one was probably one of my favorite cartoons. I couldn't watch I any of seen.
0: them. The Simpsons, Ren and Stimpy, or Beavis and Butthead. Not even
1: The Simpsons? No,
0: my older brother would watch them and I'd sneak down on the stairs and like peer around the corner. And then my dad would be like, I'm coming up there. I'm going to count to three. Oh, one. God. And we'd go running back upstairs. Tangent. <laughs> <laughs> so, some personal development skills. Yeah. Deep diving.
1: We are going in deep. Stop! Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, shut up, Beavis. <laughs> oh, they're talking about serious stuff today. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah serious.
0: That is not a sound bite we purchased. <laughs> that is my boyfriend.
1: Your wolf's gone. It was an accident. I slipped. So anyway, last it episode... An this
0: <laughs> was an accident.
1: an <laughs> accident. Last week, we talked about guilt and shame. Yeah. And this week, we're talking about... Processing. Process Like computer processing. No. 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 Oh.
0: Like processing all the touchy-feely thoughts and emotions.
1: Well, I brought the wrong notes to this <laughs> podcast. <laughs>
0: insert the motherboard
1: <laughs> no that's hardware that's i don't know bro- squat
0: okay. about computer hardware
1: so emotional processing yes all right before we get into this deep discussion of processing yes last week you had talked about maybe some of your poly happy moments yeah and then you asked me if i had any and i was all like no nope. no denied so this week i'm going to turn the tables I felt like I had kind of a roundabout happy Polly moment. Yeah. With a friend, and not on a date, it was a friend that came over to help us work on our upcoming podcast, Weird Erotic Tales. Yeah. We wanted to have someone do some recording for us in kind of a sultry, sexy thing, so that when you're hearing it, it's, you know, it hits that spot in your brain. Yeah. Yeah. And we found one of the people in our friend circle mm-hmm. that we both were like, hey, wait a minute. She's got to do it for us. Yeah. If she's willing, we need to get her over. And she was. And so we got her over. And we made kind of an afternoon of, of it and did some different takes, recorded a couple of different batches of things, had a hilarious time. We had a lot of fun. And at the end of it, I get to work with the recordings To make some really exciting openers for our show and closers for our show. And just going through it and in hearing it actually brings like this fondness to me where I hear it and I can can still recall those memories. Yeah. And I'm hoping that as that other show goes on and on and on and on, that every time I hear it, I'm going to be like, oh, remember that time we did that thing?
0: (laughs) And it was cute because... I mean, we don't have. I don't know if you guys think we're in some big fancy studio. I wish we're (laughs) we're in our little a bedroom in our house. That's our little home office. Uh, It's quite tiny. And that particular day, the office. I don't know if it was too warm. It's really cluttered. I was
1: worried about the acoustics. The acoustics are not good. Yeah.
0: So we went and recorded on your bed. We went to the master bedroom, sat on the bed, all three of us. And again, she's just a friend. And recorded these sound clips. And it was just so much fun. And we were giggling up a storm. And it was just comfortable. It was a good time.
1: Yeah. And then we do Marvel movies.
0: Marvel Movie Monday. With
1: another friend of ours, k yeah. And we just got done with Thor Ragnarok last Monday. Yeah. Oh, and Day. we're
0: watching it in timeline order, not release order.
1: Right. So this is the last movie before we're going to throw a Labor Day weekend barbecue, and we're going to do the Infinity War double feature. And we have K-Fug coming, and we set up a public invite to, well, I guess, semi-public. All
0: our friends. And
1: we're going to have a bunch of people over, and it's going to go from movie night to major event night, and K-Fug's going to get to see the Infinity Endgame. I'm so
0: excited!
1: And... I've fought for months to keep things from spoiling. <laughs> we've been doing and it. so many times, <laughs> something's come close.
0: I think it's been about five and a half months that we've been uh, doing our Marvel Movie Mondays. And some weeks, like I think when we were watching Guardians 1 and 2, we did them in a double-featured day. Or we did them like on a Friday night and then a Saturday night kind of thing. With We did them back-to-back. And then some weeks we skipped because we were out of town in California for right. family. So I think it was been about five and a half months total. And I'm so excited. This is like the culmination of everything. And we're going to like start (laughs) They're long movies. They're big movies and emotional movies. So we're going to do it like 11 a.m. on that Sunday. Oh, wait.
1: Hmm. By the time this airs, we'll have already watched it.
0: Is this going to be?
1: So this will be that Monday. (gasps)
0: This will be right after. So you
1: guys are going to hear us as we're going into it.
0: And then the week after, we'll have to tell you how it goes. Yes.
1: I think that's a solid Uh, plan. So
0: when you're hearing this, this will have happened yesterday. But yeah, like 11 a.m. Because we
1: plan hard.
0: (laughs) We're going to start the first movie. Then we're going to barbecue, go in the pool, hang out with people, process what we just watched. Then we're going to jump back into Endgame, go through all of that, highs and lows of things. Oh, yeah. End that, and then drink the night away and process some more
1: feelings. And alcohol, we're gonna uh, process right. a lot of, yeah. So like, and that's that's perfect that we're talking about that because processing is what we're talking about today. Okay, folks, uh, gonna when... have a
0: lot of processing. <laughs> I'm so excited. So
1: with that said, I'm going to ask, did you have any exciting poly stuff this week?
0: I did have a happy poly moment. That's my nipple.
1: I'm sorry, it was an accident.
0: Accident. I did have a happy poly moment. So k Fug's my girl.
1: Yeah,
0: we've got this great friendship going on, right?
1: Uh-huh.
0: She's just trying to get closer to me, trying to see if this friendship goes anywhere. And you know, I'm kind of riding along with it. But it was really cute. Was it the last weekend, or was it after Marvel Movie Monday? Oh, no, I know
1: what you're talking.
0: It was about. a good time. We were all hanging out on the back patio. We'd all been, you know, it drinking a little bit.
1: Saturday night.
0: I don't remember. I don't remember it what day. Was Saturday night. But we were just hanging out. And uh, my wonderful, amazing anchor nesting partner, Mr. Mansuda here, decided to give K-Fug some tips on how to get close to Miss Bella.
1: She's been trying really hard for a long time, and generally I want to stay out of Bella's relationships because they're hers to deal with and not mine. <laughs> and I don't want to overstep boundaries either with Bella or with person, person X. X.
0: <gasps> Jinx! I didn't know you were gonna say person X. So he was giving her a bunch of advice. I'm, if you've been following along with all of our episodes, kind of a difficult nut to crack. I'm demisexual, Emphasis demi- on nuts. <laughs> Demisexual, demi-romantic. I've got issues with dating women from past relationships. I've got walls up for everyone. It's just a hot mess. I'm really difficult to date and get to know. So he's got some insider trading information that he was passing along and it was like clicking with her and she was like, oh, (laughs) and the next day she, she messaged me and texted and had some follow up questions to things. But in that moment, it was really cute watching you guys talk about me while I was right there and give information.
1: Well, as much as I do want to stand back and make sure that you get to experience your relationships as genuinely and personally as possible. I love K-Fug and she's she's just trying so hard and it felt like maybe it was time to step in.
0: She's good people. Because... She just didn't know what was happening.
1: <laughs> right. And I didn't know exactly where you sat and I'm still not entirely sure I do. But I do feel like she's she's throwing a lot of, you know she's throwing a lot out there like yeah. she's just trying to hit something she's trying to figure something out she cares about you she hurts me and and I just kind of wanted to help her out yeah. you know so so it was kind of me just saying okay look like here's some of the ways that if you really want to get to know or I don't think you're getting the right amount of information so I'm going to help you out yeah and I well, may have overstepped my boundaries
0: I don't think you did, and I think what helped her the most was, and I don't, I don't think we've done an episode on love languages and attachment styles and stuff like that yet. Oh, okay. We'll have to we'll do add that.
1: that to the list.
0: But uh, my love language is my top two. The way I receive love is words of affirmation and quality time, and I think that's also how I tend to give it. I do adjust it depending on my partner. Like I know your number one is touch, and I push my boundaries to make sure I'm giving you touch more because I know you need that. But in general, I tend to give the quality time and the words of affirmation as well. Mm -hmm. So I think poor K Fug didn't realize in this last year plus when we've been getting to know each other as friends that the way that I express my love is by being extra supportive and things like that taking care of things inviting her to things she's in our world more than i would let somebody else into our world right. and that is my showing that i love this person whereas she's a touch person as well and was like i don't understand you mo- you don't love me because you don't touch me i'm like well that's not really true and so you were trying to bridge that gap
1: Right, and I think I got it.
0: Yeah, so that was my happy Polly moment, and it was super awesome, and even though her and I are just friends, and we're not in a relationship, or at least not a defined romantic relationship at this point, it was super cute and awesome. Awesome. Yeah.
1: So now we need to process some things. Uh lots to process.
0: But I mean, before we get into actually processing them,
1: mm-hmm. we're
0: processing thoughts and emotions and feelings, right? Uh, Yes. Did you still have more you wanted? No, no. Oh, okay. I'm
1: just, I'm just making sure that I, I'm just making sure that I answer your question.
0: Oh yeah, yes, correct,
1: correct, affirmative. That is correct.
0: Yeah, you and the voices tonight. What You're on iconic. point. Uh, so, what do you consider feelings and emotions?
1: Weakness. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like how <laughs> I can't even with you tonight I know what I've read just in my research in general in my own personal journey uh, what do you think of like what's an emotion right so we need to process these hard feelings and emotions what are they for you like what do you think of when you think of your emotions your feelings
1: emotions are states of being in reaction... <laughs> I messed you
0: up because I didn't tell you I was going to ask this.
1: <laughs> well, I just want to make sure that I'm answering how I feel that they are. Yeah. And this is this is my definition. I'm not bringing you to dictionary.com or anything for this. Emotions are mental states of being based on a circumstance or event or some kind of signal or trigger. Okay. And feelings are how you connect the emotion and the circumstance in my head. Yeah. Right? As an example. I just bought a new motorcycle. Mm-hmm. The motorcycle is the circumstance. The emotion would be happiness. Mm-hmm. The feeling would be elation, right? Like excitement. I just bought a motorcycle. I know that it makes me happy. And my happiness is seen as joy or excitement or I will get extra bubbly. And then so that's kind of the, the batter to mix the ingredients okay. in my head. That's yeah. how it all works.
0: I mean, I think I'm, I'm mostly with you. You know, there's outside circumstance of some sort, causes some sort of reaction in us. I think, I believe that that's based on whatever thought we have in our head, right? The outside circumstance causes some thought in our head. The thought in our head then causes the emotional reaction to it. So, like, maybe your thought is... I'm going to get to ride this in the beautiful scenery and it's going to be so much fun. And that causes well, the happiness. Just, just yes, come along with me for But a it
1: would be more like, I'm going to open this up on the freeway and <laughs> see if I can avoid death.
0: Right. Okay. Fly past everyone, cutting, splitting the lanes. Yes. Okay. Whatever your thought is around this new bike that you just purchased is what actually makes you happy. Then take that one step further. And I think our feelings, our actual physical sensations... In the body. So you're feeling happy, but what does that feel like, right? So we say, I feel hmm. happy. Okay. Well, no, you feel uh, butterflies in your stomach, and your heart might start to race, and, like, the actual physical sensations, are your hands sweaty, uh, did your cheeks get rosy, the, you know, those sorts of things.
1: I believe that you tricked me into answering <laughs> first... So that you could lead me on this journey.
0: Come with and me. And try to blow
1: my mind. Bow. Okay, I'm totally following what you're saying. and I think it's really cool. Yeah, so I'm
0: with you. I'm totally with you.
1: And, and I it think gives me something to think about with feelings and emotions.
0: Mm-hmm. That I dig it. That totally goes with stuff I want to talk about later.
1: Oh, yeah?
0: Yeah, when we talk about actually processing these emotions and actually feeling the feelings and sitting with the uncomfortable feelings in order to process it and get through them. Everybody wants to shy away from the bad negative emotions and feelings. But in all of the research that I've done and all these psychology articles and life coaches and everyone that I've spoken to and talked to and books I've read, everyone recommends and says you really need to sit in those uncomfortable feelings and you need to you need to acknowledge how they're making your body feel and understanding where they're coming from and all this in order to let it go and process through it. Otherwise, mm. you're just going to be stuck in that negative feeling. Okay, okay, that makes sense. I got more
1: on that later. Dig it. Okay. Where do we go from here then? You went ahead and took the reins. Oh, no, this...
0: I'm really excited oh. for this. <laughs> I can tell. Yeah.
1: And it's funny because I think this was my on my list. hmm uh, mostly because of like how I process and, and what I do to process, I wanted to talk about this because this yeah. is something that in the last ten years, I I feel like I've grown leaps and bounds in this department.
0: Yeah, so let's start. Uh, even
1: so, now you're talking about this stuff, and I'm like, oh shit, I'm an amateur.
0: So, but I mean, let's start there. This was your topic originally, and you've got a pretty good handle on your processing skills that have grown. Uh-huh. So what do you do when when you've got shit going on, good or bad or heavy or whatever it is? Well, I think it... What's it, your process?
1: It really depends on the emotions, and it really depends on the circumstance mm-hmm. or the event because I will process different things in different ways. As an example, well, let's let's forego the example and let's go on a little bit of a historical journey. I was not raised to learn how to process. You might even go so far as to say that my father was one of the, you know, the big macho types. You're not allowed to cry, Uh, you know, you're a little pussy if you do. I grew up with feelings like that. Like, I wasn't the son who went hunting with him because I didn't want the, I didn't want to shoot the animal. I didn't want the animal to die.
0: Yeah. So
1: I'd make extra noise to scare the deer off. (laughs) I'm going to stomp
0: my feet. Oh yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: You know, you throw twigs around and stuff. He got pissed. I mean, this, this is the same guy that used to beat us kids. So it's no surprise, right? Right. So I was raised hard. And I was raised in the ideals that you don't show feelings, you don't show emotions. You certainly don't fucking cry. And just suck it up and deal with it. Right. So I grew up on that. And I had a hard time, you know, as an emotional creature, trying to stifle those. And it got solidified even more in one of the biggest events in my life is when I was shot.
0: Mm -hmm. Like right through the face. Yeah. Bam.
1: And, you know, I went into a coma. I was in the intensive care unit up in Seattle. The first thing I remember when I woke up was my dad. This man I had not seen since I was five or six. And I was surprised to see my dad here. I was like, what (laughs) the fuck's going on? So I had a tracheostomy, which is a temporary hole in the throat Mm -hmm. with a breathing tube because my face was swollen shut and I couldn't get oxygen. So it was an emergency procedure. Right. So I had a tracheostomy in there, which meant I couldn't use my vocal cords. But he and I still managed to have a conversation for about an hour or so. In the conversation, you know, he, you know, he made sure I was all right. He made sure I, I wasn't brain dead I guess I mean like his big concern was is that I'll be able to function and I'm not going to be a drain on society right and then we talk a little bit more I mean like he's talking I'm listening I'm writing my response down on paper and then I'm showing him the paper that's how I had conversations for a while while I was in the hospital after a little bit of catching up a little bit of chit chat he says to me well you're not going to die Looks like you're going to be okay, and i got to get back to work. So uh, it was good seeing you, and uh, hang in there. And then he flew back two states away, (laughs) and I didn't talk to him again until I was 16. Right. In the early teenage years, that's when you most start crystallizing how you're going to pattern your life, and that was one of the big things. I didn't mean for this to take so long. But it's also relevant. So as I was growing up, this is how I grew up. You can't you can't discuss your feelings. You can't feel things. You can't be vulnerable or emotional. And I didn't quite know how to navigate. There was still that emotional side of me or that feeling or sensitive side or empathic side that wanted to connect with the world and and be able to express myself. But then there was that other side that listened to the looming father figure right. that says... Just suck it up and don't let anyone see your pain. Well, I I went through a series of relationships, some good, some bad, and ended up married, and and happily so, and raising kids, and and I'm trying to learn how to better my existence. And because I'm not very much a conformist, I kind of stand out, so sometimes I struggle with work. And in this specific scenario where I'm trying to lead to, I worked for this company I didn't fit in at all. I was probably close to the best at my job of anyone there, but I just didn't fit in socially. Yeah. Couldn't express sorrow or sadness, so I had to express it in different ways, which came out in anger. Regardless, I ended up moving on from that job and getting better, and then another thing hitting me in the life feels that I couldn't handle, and that was a loss of...
0: My Conan.
1: He was my eight-year-old dachshund. Mm -hmm. And he was my little boy. He would hang out under my desk while I was working at my computer. Or he'd see me walk to the couch, and he'd walk to the couch. Like, wherever I was, he was there.
0: Right. He was your partner.
1: Oh, yeah. He was my partner. We had favorite spots. Yeah. And one day... And I was at work and I felt like I needed to go home and check on my dog and I didn't know why, but I did. And when I got there, he was happy to see me, his tail was wagging, he was doing great. I picked him up, sat him on my lap, we were talking and then he did this weird seizure where his head went up and his tail went up and it was like he's trying to touch the tip of his tail with his nose. And I couldn't figure it out, so I I talked to him and relaxed him, and he was good and he was wagging his tail again. And I was like, "That's not right."
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and he kind of made a little mess on my pants. Yeah. I was like, "I'm taking him to the vet." So I took him to the vet, and I'm waiting there. I got all the information, and him and I are just hanging out, and I'm talking to him, and being happy with him, and he's just and he has those shakes again in the in the waiting right. room. And I'm scared. Like, why is this happening? Yeah. So the vet calls me in right after his second shake. And I take him in there. And I'm trying to explain it as fast as I can as I'm walking in. And I set him on the tail. And he does that weird seizure thing where he's touching his nose to his tail. Mm -hmm. And then he just dies. And, And he was my little baby and I had to watch him I had to watch him die right there yeah totally wasn't expecting it
0: out of the blue hard emotions
1: yeah so uh, so that sent me kind of on a spiral I lost it and I had to call my boss and tell him that I wasn't coming back I got in my truck and I drove and I didn't know where to go. I called my wife and I told her. And then I ended up, I don't know, some bushes. I sat in these bushes crying for hours. And my wife was, she showed up and she was trying to help me get through it, but I just, I just couldn't do it. And it was coming at a time where I was having some difficulty with some friendships and a couple other things, and I, I just had a breakdown. And I, I couldn't do it anymore, and, and I know it sounds silly. Maybe it doesn't, but it sounds- I don't sounds, think
0: anyone's gonna think it sounds silly. It sounds
1: silly that you'd have an emotional breakdown because of the loss of a pet. And that's somewhat embarrassing for me, but not because I cared about him so much. At any rate, where I'm getting to with this, finally, is after months of not being able to figure out how to process well, I decided I needed to go to therapy. And I asked my wife to find me a therapist, Mm -hmm. and she did. She found me one that she felt was the best match for me. And I saw this person for... Eight months. And it was there that I learned a lot of my most serious processing skills. Yeah. That's where my real serious getting to start processing came from.
0: All the heavy things.
1: What was your question?
0: I don't even remember.
1: Yeah. Sometimes I have a motor mouth. I apologize.
0: I don't think it's a motor mouth so much as you you tend to like get lost in your memory. It's not in a bad way. In like a you're reliving them way. Oh, yeah. So you're telling the full picture. You don't want anyone to miss out on anything.
1: Yeah, but it's probably boring. You're... So anyway. <laughs> so one of the things that I picked up in my therapy. Yes. I have a sheet here. It's from the Feeling Good Handbook, copyright 1984 by David D. Burns, M.D.
0: Mm-hmm
1: and it's a daily mood log. Mm -hmm. The first step you take is describe your upsetting event. Now he didn't jump into the dog thing right right away. We talked about little stuff, right? Right. So the first thing you do is to describe an upsetting event. And after you do that, the second step is record your negative feelings and rate each one from zero to 100. And you use words like sad, anxious, angry, lonely, hopeless, frustrated, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So you give a few feelings, or emotions rather, Mm -hmm. and zero to a hundred, the intensity level. Got it. And the third step is a triple column technique. I don't want to go too much. I think I already did. First column is your automatic thoughts. The very first thing you think of. The second column is a distortion you might have about that thought, which makes it so extreme. And then the third column is the rational response. I will give an example. Okay. One of them, I I couldn't find it before recording this, but one of them was at that time the job I worked at I worked with a mechanic who was a lazy dude mm-hmm. and he he complained about everything and one day he didn't do something right or he did something irritating yeah so I wrote on my my section 1 describe the upsetting event the mechanic acted like an asshole or whatever right and then it asks me the feelings. So angry, frustrated, irritated, blah, 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 blah. And then automatic thought, I want to punch him in the stupid fucking face. (laughs) So the distortion is that he's stupid or, you know, what have you. And then the rational response would be something like, he probably didn't need to put that wrench where he put it. So... For me, when I didn't know how to process quite so well, this was an automatic and tangible method for me to take my extreme feelings, take out the extreme for the feelings, Mm -hmm. and then to see it for something that's more rooted in reality. Yeah. And I did this activity multiple times a day for months so that eventually I wouldn't see things in such extreme manners.
0: Now did you just find some time to sit down, it's like your journaling time, or were you like, oh I'm feeling this right now, I gotta go grab a piece of paper?
1: It depended, like yeah. what I was told was if you don't have anything written down by the end of the evening, think back through the day about some things and write them down, Yeah. but if you get the opportunity, Take your sheet of paper and do it in the moment. Now, one of the things that I wanted to address was the middle column, Mm -hmm. which is cognitive distortions. Cognitive distortions come in a couple of different factors, which are very important to learn how to process your emotions properly. Right. So if you and I get into an argument and you say, You never do this thing. Saying that you never is all or nothing behavior.
0: Right. You either do it all the time or you never do it.
1: Right. It's an exaggeration. Mm -hmm. So it creates more intensity of emotion or feelings surrounding the event and thus potentially causes more complication. Being aware of some of the things that you're feeling and being aware of the cognitive distortions that go into the emotions or feelings revolving around that event is one of the big ways to help de-escalate the situation, in my experiences, that's made for processing to happen more smoothly and efficiently. So I'll give a, a quick run through. We already talked about all or nothing. Yeah. You also have, like, overgeneralizations. Mm-hmm. Jeez, I got a flat tire. Man, I always have car problems. Like, I can never have a car without a problem. <laughs> uh, There's the distortion. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then your mental filter, you pick out single negative details. You dwell on it exclusively, so your vision of reality becomes darkened. Okay. All right, then you have disqualifying the, the positive Basically, making the positive not count so that it helps fulfill the negative side of it. Right. You're gonna jump to conclusions. I think mm-hmm. everyone. You know
0: what that I'm is. gonna jump to
1: the conclusion to believe that everyone knows what jumping to yeah. conclusions is. You got magnifications. You take something small, you blow up mm-hmm. into something big. You got emotional reasoning. So you assume your negative emotions uh, reflect the way things really are. I feel it therefore it's it gotta is. be
0: yeah right
1: and that's a big one a lot of people might benefit from being more aware of yeah in general
0: this next one i think i do a lot
1: should statements yeah, yeah. I you think... should
0: really do this
1: oh i <laughs> love it when you say that too <laughs> yeah. so then there's labeling and mislabeling which is uh Kind of an extreme form of generalization. Mm-hmm. Instead of describing your error, you're going to attach negative labels to yourself. Instead of, oh, I forgot to pay the power bill. God, I'm so stupid. I'm always such a failure when it comes to bills. Yeah. You know, It's one of those narratives that once you get in the habit of doing, it's so Firewall's difficult down. to break out of it. And then personalization. Mm-hmm. You always take things so personal. Why do you always got to take things so personal?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So using the cognitive distortions to figure out the difference between what you're feeling in the moment and what's more reasonably the case is one of the big steps at actually finding success in processing an event, in my experience. Okay. So that's one of the ways that I've done it. And that's that's kind of how I came about it. Yeah.
0: You know? No, that's, that's excellent. I've never heard... I mean, I've, I've known what some of these distortions are, just in my own-ish, uh-huh. but I didn't know what they were called, and I didn't know all of them in the detail, so that's really cool to learn. Well, I go about things in a bit more woo-woo. Oh, yeah? I like woo-woo. I want
1: to hear about your woo-woo.
0: My woo-woo. <laughs> my woo-woo type way. And again, these are things that I've pulled from all the years across many books and resources and such and we'll list some of these websites um, in the show notes so everyone can go check out some things I'm going to list out this nine step structured process to processing your emotions Um, and it comes from the book titled The Wisdom of the Enneagram by John Richard Rizzo and Russ Hudson so these come from that. It's it's a bit more structured, and I kind of like how they lay it out. So you're feeling some tough emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Causing you to feel all these things, good or bad, but you don't quite know what's going on. Step one, see it. This is basically what is the emotion that I'm feeling. Like, really? And now picture this in, like, a meditation state, right? I'm sitting in my nice air-conditioned room, Mellow music, lights out. Maybe my my salt lamp is on, okay. and I'm just sitting in whatever this tough emotion is that I'm feeling. Step one is to see it. Really figure out what that emotion is. Next, after that, so, I'm
1: sorry. Mm-hmm. So you want to see the emotion,
0: right? You're looking okay. for for the emotion. What are you actually? Where is this feeling coming from? What's okay. the emotion? Okay. After you you think you get it, you want to say it. You actually want to name it. You're not going to judge it. And you're gonna you're gonna take it from, are you instead of just oh the emotion that I'm feeling is worry and fear, deep dive into that. Okay, well is it really a worry or is it doubt, insecurity? Like really get into the name. What is it? Don't use the broader term. Uh, drill it down to the more specific right. naming of it. So we got see it, say it number three is sense it so you're going to find the reaction in your body and feel it and that's where those feelings come from okay. right so if i say i'm feeling angry
1: mm-hmm.
0: right so what does that number three sense it oh my heart's racing maybe i'm sweating my cheeks are flush and red but they're hot not like a blushing, but they're hot. My eyes might be starting to water because I'm so pissed.
1: The chest and neck the ch- feel like yeah, burning. they
0: feel like they're gonna explode. You can feel the throbbing vein. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you physically feeling? You're gonna sense it. Number four is just stay. So you're gonna locate those feelings, that throbbing vein, the heart-racing pulse, and you're going to literally sit there and stay in those feelings, right? So you're gonna talk about it. I can feel the pulsing vein. I can feel my heart racing in my feet. My stomach's all tight and knotted up. My head hurts because it's been throbbing. Um, And then as you're processing through that and you're talking to yourself about it, you're gonna have compassion for yourself in that same step, right? I have this horrible headache and it's because I'm so angry, but I'm a good person. I'm not an angry person. I'm just feeling angry in this moment. Have compassion for yourself. Number five is relax. As you're talking yourself through the compassion, you're going to feel the tension starting to open up. So the the throbbing vein starts to go away. Um, everything is kind of starting to loosen. Your heart rate is coming down as you're, again, talking those compassionate words through those feelings you're
1: having. So deep, slow breath would really help in a scenario like
0: this. You're on to my next step. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so number five is relax, feeling the tension drip away, opening up. Number six is Respire. That's the breathing process of relaxation, um, touching, breathing, grounding yourself, focusing on the in and out of the breath. Again, all while being compassionate to yourself. Don't negative talk yourself in this. It's okay to feel bad things. Okay. Okay. Number seven is reconnecting. Open up your perspective again. So instead of all that narrow thought on the vein that's throbbing in my head, you're going to open up your worldview again. Bring that perspective back out. Um, It's going to be a humbling experience. Number eight, we're on eight, is to reframe it. Where we were angry before and in the beginning, now we can see the other side because we can see maybe the fear in the other person as we were building anger in the beginning. Right. So reframe it to the other person involved or or anybody else who's involved in your feelings and emotions. Yeah. And then finally, step nine is presence, to be present. Open back up to awareness. Um, Come back to reality, so to speak. Come out of your woo-woo-ness. Mm. So it's kind of like wrapping up your meditation on that. I see. So that's, that's the like really detailed structured nine steps, again, from the book. Um, if you want to look at it in a more generalized processing, you can think of it as step one, mindfulness, right? So you observe the sensations, I feel anger versus I am angry. Mm. You're not angry, you're feeling anger name it all figure it out distinguish what that emotion is and then accept it accept the feeling permit the feeling in your body don't fight it and allow it sit with it and process it
1: i think that's pretty solid and it's it's an expanded version of i've done a lot of meditation work Mm -hmm. in all of my years of martial arts training and in the qigong that i practiced there's a lot of being present in the moment, making sure that you're paying attention to your breathing and what mm-hmm. your body's doing, and and how you're processing your energy, and when you're discussing these nine points, I was thinking of some of the meditation exercises that we've done in classes yeah. or in our retreats and stuff, and it really resonates, draws some really good parallels. Yeah, I bet. So I, I dig it. What? I really do.
0: What you're talking about with being present in the moment
1: mm-hmm.
0: today, that's what they call mindfulness. Right. It's really focused on right now. My foot is throbbing from my ankle pain or mm-hmm. like just really in general, focusing on your present moment instead of all the other things that are going on in your life and in the world and all the whatnots and have yous. All right. Now at the end of all of this, for me, when I come out of meditation, I've got some quiet alone time to process my thoughts and feelings. I'm a big fan of journaling. Okay. Again, that's something I've seen recommended everywhere. I have two different kind of styles of journaling. I try to keep a gratitude log where I focus on things I'm grateful for, especially when I'm having a hard time and I'm pissed off that my paycheck is short. I try to focus on the fact that I have a really good job a stable, well paying, good benefits job that many people don't. So, anytime I'm starting to feel a negative emotion about something, I try and find what I'm the gratitude side of it, what I'm grateful for. I see. And then, my other process of journaling is just getting out those emotions, working on my self talk, and changing my negative thoughts to positive thoughts and that type of journaling. So, that really helps me.
1: Okay. So, i do feel like i jumped straight into my most clinical method of handling feelings emotions and how to process it all yeah and some of what you're talking about speaks in a way to some of the other ways that i process yeah and so i i also want to share one or two of mine yeah first before i do though I think one thing that's really important that maybe we haven't quite touched on is is when do you process or why or how at what point do you realize that you need to process something and for me it kind of travels back to the five stages of grief Mm -hmm. which I also kind of just consider the five stages of negative emotions the five stages of grief for anyone that may not be aware Or if you're trying to remember what they are, like off the top of your head and you just can't get the fifth one, what was that last one. Five stages of grief and loss are denial and isolation, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Generally, while acceptance is typically always the last one, the other four don't always happen in a specific order. And they might repeat or go on. And, right, so, more
0: time on one or one twice. Right. Yeah.
1: And what I talked about with some of my past experience is that I would spend a lot of time in anger. Yeah. And it's interesting that we're doing this podcast today, or the fact that I was listening to podcasts at work today. Mm-hmm. I guess um, some happenstance. And... Joseph Gordon Levitt mm-hmm. who is
0: third Rock from the sun uh I
1: like think
0: I think he was the kid in third rock from the Sun
1: he was in ten things I hate about you yes sink it he was the main character
0: yep
1: he was in looper I
0: mean I would like to say that Heath Ledger was the main character but I'll give it to you all right
1: it was <laughs> Joseph Gordon levitts character which was having the conundrum yes. So he was the main character. Okay. We're going with that.
0: Okay. I'll roll with it.
1: He was also in Looper. Anyway.
0: I like Looper. That's a good. He's name.
1: really just a phenomenal actor, and the more I see or hear about him, I think just an all-around awesome person. Yeah. He just started doing a podcast, and I listened to the first episode of it today at work. And on that podcast, he was talking to Ryan Johnson, the mm-hmm. director for Looper and Star Wars 8. And the subject of the, the podcast itself wasn't necessarily relevant. What was relevant was something that Ryan had said in the podcast that really hit me. And it goes along with the five stages of grief and loss, okay. which is why I'm bringing it up, because of the fact that that anger was one of the big ones that i've always had to process in that episode of strangely creative processing
0: (laughs) that's the title of is joseph
1: gordon levitt's podcast (laughs) which has nothing to do with the processing we're talking about today
0: it's the creative so
1: again the kismet i don't know it's weird at any rate ryan johnson said yeah and i'm gonna mostly quote it paraphrase it you have to be kind of angry at something to write a script if the thing you're angry about is not something you identify in yourself i'm always wary of that he says if the thing you're angry about is something outside of you that you're judging in others you've always got to take a breath So why I'm bringing that around is because one of the things that I've had to learn in processing is it's easy to get angry at the event.
0: Right. That outside circumstance.
1: It's easy to get angry at a person involving themselves. And then you're mad at something else or you're mad at someone else. And it took me years to figure out what Ryan Johnson said in... 40 seconds on a podcast yeah and it was kind of profound and frustrating at the same time (laughs) but it's legit like if i'm angry at something one of the things that i do is ask myself where is this coming from okay so that person pissed me off but why did they piss me off and why am I having this reaction how much do i really care about it and why and basically like what you said earlier you drill down and you drill down and you drill down to find the root yeah and so when you're doing the five stages of grief if you're doing those if you're if you're going through these and trying to do the processing that you talked about in those nine steps mm-hmm. sit with it sit with your denial Sit with your isolation, sit with your anger, sit with your your, your just desire to give up. And, ask why? and don't use, yeah, ask why. Don't use the distortions that we talked about earlier. Take those out. Understand what you're feeling, take a breath, recognize it, and try to find the reasonable reality Of your distortion.
0: Yeah. No, I like that. That's the same kind of thing that we say when we're giving advice for people new to polyamory, when it comes to jealousy, Mm -hmm. uh, is to really drill down and figure out where it's coming from and why they're feeling it, what insecurity it's usually coming from. Right. That same kind of thing when it comes to any of
1: these feelings Mm -hmm. and emotions. I agree. And there are so many times in my life that I couldn't quite do these exercises just... Plain as day. Because I think that's one of the other things people are going to have a hard time with. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't do those right now. And it's not easy to. And that's why sometimes a, a tool is helpful. Like you talked about journaling. Mm-hmm. You journaling after meditating or mm-hmm. going through your steps is going to help you find a way to process.
0: Another tool that I saw on one of the psychology websites in research, um, if you can't put words to it just yet, draw a picture of what you're feeling and thinking oh, yeah. and your emotions. It's one of the tools they give kids when kids are trying to work through their feelings and emotions and they don't know what the words are yet. Mm-hmm. Even as adults, if we're just so angry, we so caught up in whatever the feeling is that we can't put words to it, draw a picture out. Scribble, like, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be some beautiful depiction of things. It's, It's your feelings and your emotions on paper. So sometimes that
1: helps, too. Well, and definitely if you're that, if you're feeling that caught up in those emotions, you do want to take time. Because if you're not processing properly, then you are most likely going to be doing some things or saying some things that are going to cause you to do more repair work later. Now, one of the things that I do is music helps me process. Yeah. I'm not a musician. I don't make music. I don't have the patience to learn the instruments. I love listening to music and I've got a range. And sometimes I can fall into a rabbit hole, but usually I will need to express all of my feelings to the best of my ability. I will play certain songs mm-hmm. that help me with whatever stage of grief I'm in and I mean like I got playlists like if I'm if I'm hurting from a death
0: yeah
1: then I'll have a playlist oh, if yeah. I have a seriously bad breakup I have a playlist
0: playlists are so big if you're a music person right your go-to when I'm feeling this I listen to this When I'm down and I need to be brought up, I listen to this.
1: Right. And I'm like, and it's as detailed as you can get. There are very specific songs that I will play depending on what feeling I'm having. Right. And no other song, I don't care how similar it sounds, no other song will do it. So I do a lot of music. I will process. And that's one of the ways that I stop myself from trying to fix the problem too early and messing up by saying shitty things or doing shitty things is I will take the time and I'll run through seven or eight songs or two days of worth of music or whatever it takes to really help me boil down what it is I'm feeling and why I'm feeling that way.
0: Which is really good to discuss with partners because sometimes you may have a partner who doesn't understand your processing Timeline methods, yeah. Yeah. And they might jump to conclusions on things and, oh, he hasn't communicated with me in two days, so I'm just going to end it. When you're still in the middle of your playlist processing and you're trying not to say things and you're finally getting through it and you're in a good place, but the partner may not have any idea how you process things, so they jump to conclusions. Right. So it's always a good conversation to have with partners, especially a new partner. on how do you process, you know, what does this, what does it look like
1: for you? And I mean, if we're going to go down that route, then maybe another thing to be aware of is if you are polyamorous or multiple partner relationships and you do notice that you're struggling to have certain communication path with one partner, maybe ask a meta. Like I'm seeing this and I'm feeling this. I can't get much out of my partner. What can I do or what would need to be done? Right. How would you deal with that? You know, lean on lean on your circle when you want to help a partner process.
0: Definitely. So I know we're wrapping up here. It's, we've gone maybe a little bit long. But you did get vulnerable with some of your history in the beginning.
1: Accidents happen.
0: Accidents.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So, I mean, I'm going to wrap up just by kind of saying like the way I was raised the reason I don't have too hard of a problem processing things I do have a hard time expressing emotions and I'm not someone who says I love you a lot if much until we're really close I just don't express feelings and emotions like some people it comes easy and natural to them and they can just love on everybody and tell the world that they love them and I can't and I think that's For me, so I grew up in sports. My family's amazing. I had a great childhood. Nothing wrong there. But I definitely grew up kind of the tomboy in sports. Shake it off. Get up. If you're hurt, we'll take care of it later. Mm -hmm. Is there a bone sticking out? Then walk it off. You're fine. So I did grow up with a little bit of that. My family was not very big on affection. Looking back, I mean, I think everybody siblings and parents showed their love differently which of course as an adult now and knowing love languages and whatnot is interesting but we definitely weren't a family that hugged a lot we didn't say i love you unless it was hanging up the phone or a kiss goodnight and going to bed when we were kids that was it so it didn't always feel genuine it was just what you were supposed to say so that's kind of bled into my adulthood where i don't want to say it because I'm supposed to say it. Like I wait for things. And so just in general with expressing my my emotions and my feelings, I'm a bit more closed off. So that's something that I've had to work on. But as far as processing goes, I think I I was okay in that department. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, moody teenager with siblings, shared a room with a, a younger sister who was four years younger than me. I got really good at journaling. I couldn't talk on the phone to my friends all the time. First of all, it's a landline. Didn't have cell phones, so it's a landline. Didn't have my own line in my phone. You're so old. I know. I mean, it wasn't a rotary phone or anything, but
1: <laughs> we one eventually
0: one those had those a ones. cordless phone, which was crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I could because I was sharing a bedroom with my sister. I couldn't be on the phone all night talking to boys. So I learned to process by journaling. Mm. That's a little bit about me and my history. I don't have any crazy stories like being shot in the face with a forty-four Magnum, but... I don't either. I was told to shake it off and walk off the field. Yeah? Yeah.
1: I I actually, when I was growing up, drew a lot. Yeah. And wrote stories. Yeah. And I still...
0: On the creative occasionally, side. Occasionally, when
1: I get the chance to do those, those help me process also. Because then Ooh. I get a focus on something yeah. outside of my problems and work through like a piece of art and by the time i'm ready to handle my emotions again I'm, I'm not it's not so sensitive and raw
0: yeah well and that goes along with what we were saying about drawing our feelings and mm-hmm. you listening to the music the other way that i did process when i was younger aside from the journaling being the avid jock that i was growing up i, I hit people I played soccer. I played football. I varsity football. Strapped on, strapped the boobs down, threw the pads on. uh, Actually, got on the field senior year for varsity football. But I was I was a huge soccer player, and so for me that was my therapy. Mm. I got to go shoulder to shoulder with people. And one year, (laughs) so I blew out my ACL at one point. Blew out my ACL, my MCL, and my meniscus all in one shot. But after recovering from that, I was like, oh, I'm gonna play tennis. Not that it's good on your knees, but tennis is like a more relaxing, easygoing sport, right? right. You can't hit people in tennis. You can't even I mean, throw no, you can't even throw a racket like in a fit of rage, or you get dinged for it. You get in trouble for it. I don't know what the deal was.
1: Well see, that's the thing though, is you can do it. <laughs> But you will have to deal with the consequences no, that come from I could
0: it. legally shoulder check girls in a soccer game and the game would go on because it was a legal move and it was yes. just fine. They called me the wall. Okay. I was the sweeper. I was the last defender. And they'd send their tiny little forwards up there. their strikers. I'd be like, strike me, bitch. You're going to die. And that's how I processed my emotions back then.
1: Oh. So what year was that?
0: Um, I was four years old until I was twenty-one years old. So eighty-seven. I was going for, was going
1: for an, a year range. Yeah, nineteen
0: eighty-seven through the nineties. Yeah, yep. Yeah.
1: So through how,
0: about two thousand two.
1: How I processed through the nineties <laughs> is I'd get really drunk and I'd, <laughs> I'd punch things from windows no, to brick walls. No, 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 no. I see the scar on my hand? That's yeah. when I punched through an aquarium. Yeah. No, no, no. No fish died.
0: We are not saying violence is good. What
1: I'm actually saying is we've talked about a lot of beneficial ways to process. And one of the things that's super important that I wanted to make sure that we covered before we got off mm-hmm. of this episode.
0: You did not want to leave it with before we got
1: off? No. <laughs> is the fact that there are absolutely negative ways of processing and while you can do it and it temporarily makes you feel better it's good to be mindful with how these quote unquote processing methods affect you in the near future and in the distant future and with your relationships because when I'd get drunk all the time Mm -hmm. and I'd punch shit like I didn't go pick fights with people again like I could have I chose not to but, like I said, I'd punch glass. I'd punch through walls. I'd punch anything I could. And a lot of it I had to repair. So, if nothing else, that, <laughs> was, a, that was a financial fix yeah. on my side. It was, it was labor intensive. I felt like shit the next morning. I almost always threw up because yeah. I drank, like, a gallon of tequila at a time or whatever. It was always just damaging. Yeah. So I would strongly recommend that you be mindful of your method of processing and ask what the yield is, where the return is, and how this affects you. And if you have to do more processing again after you've made all these mistakes from (laughs) having the bad habit. Right. So I don't want you to have scars on your hands from punching through aquariums, or busting them against brick walls. What I want is for all of you to find some kind of goodness in how you process. So, we covered a wide range and obviously could have probably covered a whole lot more.
0: There's always more to process.
1: I feel like this is probably a good place to bring it to a close. If there's requests for it, we can do more processing in the future with you. For now, anything that we've talked about from uh, Joseph gordon Lovett's podcast to the books that we've mentioned, check our show notes and we will give you links to all that stuff there. We will also, just like last week's episode, add a few extra links that we didn't get to use for this episode mm-hmm. because there is a giant wealth of information about processing all over
0: so much good information out there. So we just want to kind of compile it a little bit into one place for you. So if you want to find us, we're on all the social media platforms, facebook.com forward slash. I love We're on Twitter at I love We're on Instagram at I love cares. We've got our website. I love poly.org and you can always email us email us happy poly moments email us show suggestions or if you just want to chat it's podcast at ilovepoly.org
1: yeah use it for all sorts of stuff if you need more information if you want to request a subject for the show however you want to use that email address feel free to use it because we're on the other end and we're waiting to hear from you
0: we read every single one Alrighty. have a good night Thank you for talking your poly off with Bella and Monsina. You can find our Facebook page in the links
1: or by searching for I Love Polly and liking the page Polyamory Amory Get Your Heart On.
0: You can also find I Love poly on Instagram and Twitter by searching I Love poly Cares.
1: If you want us to help you navigate to all of our online presence, check out the show notes or come on over to ilovepolly.org. We would love to hear from you.
0: That's right. And you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at ilovepolly.org.
1: That's singular podcast, not plural.
0: So until our next discussion, Polly and fam.
1: Live like there's no tomorrow.
0: Laugh until it hurts.
1: And And love love without without limits.
0: limits.